Today's guest is Tiffany Kane, and she is what I would call a podcasting dynamo because she has three podcasts. <laughs> and so we talk about her life, not necessarily her podcast, because she has had some interesting turns in her life. And that's one of the reasons I was excited to talk to her, although I didn't know she grew up in a cult until she was 19, which she talks about. That was something I learned as we were talking before we recorded. Uh, but yeah, she talks about that. We talk about her major pivot later in life, what drove her to that pivot, what she did before her pivot, which she was very passionate about, but she was stunted uh, in, in the impact that she could make. And she talks about that. And she really shares a pivotal moment where she was told something during a job interview that was really something that changed everything. Uh, it was hard for her to hear, but yet it made her think about how she wanted to live her life. And she shares that story. Uh, she talks about her divorce. She was married for 20 years and got divorced. So we have similar backstory in that we did a lot of shifting in our 40s. And she also had a major health crisis, which I think, you know, we talk about that too, is a little bit of the universe getting involved there. Because when we're so busy and doing our thing, uh, sometimes uh, if it's down the wrong path, we get a little help to redirect us. And she's a great example of that. And what she did for that she loved was she was a teacher for uh, her former career. Uh, and then she was teaching teachers. So the impact grew, but yet she was still stunted in what she could do. So now she's making a huge impact. Three podcasts. Can you believe it? So she, she's so interesting. I loved the conversation. So she is the uh, CEO of Casa Media Productions. Uh, she's the executive director of Sonic Boom Podcast Awards. And she's a public speaker. Yes, podcast producer. She also is a videography director. And she's a coach who brings her passion for the art of the spoken word to people who need help finding their voice. So her podcast, just so you know, and if you want to follow up on any of those, if they sound interesting to you, are Radical Audacity in Love and Life, Diet, Riot, Sweat, Repeat, and Mastering the Podcaster Mindset. And she's won two Davy Silver Awards for podcast excellence. So if you want to do a podcast, she might be a good person to listen to. She is a busy woman, but I loved her energy. I found her on Instagram and she was just somebody that I reached out to because she seemed like we had very similar energy. And I love people with that kind of energy to, to bring to you, my guest, and and maybe something will resonate that she says. And uh, yeah, it was just a really fantastic conversation. So without further ado, here is Tiffany. Hi, I'm Lori Wright, also known as Not Your Average Grandma. I created this podcast as a place for women in their second half of life to go to to receive inspiration. If you are at a place where you believe your best days are behind you, it is my hope one of these episodes will spark you to think differently and lead you to a new belief that your second half may actually be your best half. I want you to stop seeing your age as a limitation and start seeing it as your superpower. You have years of experience and value that the younger you never had. So it's time to lean into that and use it to fuel your future. No more letting age or circumstances hold you back from the pursuit of a more fulfilling and fun life. 
The happier we are, the better the world will be. So instead of settling for what you don't want, how about going after what you do want? Listen in and let something you hear prompt you to take the first step in making the rest your best. Welcome to another episode of Living Your Sparked Second Half. And I have with me today, Tiffany Kane, and I am really excited to talk to her because we just met. Uh, I reached out to her on Instagram. She looked like a super interesting person to have. And I think she has a, a really juicy backstory, so <laughs> she just shared with me. But one of the things that I really connect with her on is that she is a podcaster like me, and she has three podcasts, believe it or not. She must be super busy. Uh, and they're they're all uh, podcasts that we'll refer because there, there might be something of the three that you might be interested in listening to. Uh, we'll cover those at, over the conversation and they'll also be in the show notes. But welcome to the program, Tiffany. Thank you so much for having me here. It's a pleasure. And I, I love that you call yourself not your average grandma because frankly, none of us are average and we should not live our lives in an average way. And so I love that you're claiming that right away. <laughs> yes, yes. And Tiffany is 49. So mm -hmm. she qualifies as living, <laughs> living her smart. Everybody's like, you know, I'm not midlife anymore because I'm 60. And I'm like, well, what is that? What is the, what is the, the, like that part? It's like a third chapter, but you're still like middle, I would say, because because I think we could easily live to 90, 95, right? So tell me about you. So what is Tiffany, a typical day in Tiffany's life? And I want you to talk about how do you manage three podcasts? How do you feel about being 49 and being on the edge of that, about to have a new, enter a new decade? And 50 is a, a big deal for a lot of people. It is a big deal. It is a big deal. Okay. That's a, that's a lot. Okay. That's a lot. <laughs> um, first, how do I feel being 49? I, I've loved my forties. They've been, they've, I've seen a ton of change. You know, I got divorced. I had a 20 year marriage, got divorced. Watching my children grow into young adults has been really fun. I have an 18 year old and a 12 year old, well, 17 year old and a 12 year old. He's almost 18 heading off to college. Um, and I feel like this in my forties, especially my late forties is when I found myself. Mm. Like I didn't yeah. really know who I was before that. Um, and in my forties, I was in the best shape of my life and in the worst shape of my life. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> Dichotomy, yeah. right? Late forties, the worst because of injuries and, and health issues. So it's like, I feel like my forties have been just, it's been a decade. It's been quite a decade and I've loved it. And I'm excited about 50. I really am. Um, let me ask you this. Um, you said, uh, you know, healthiest yet unhealthiest, uh, in so many words, but like, and looking back, I think you're, you're saying and reflecting on it, but when you were going through it, how well, did it feel? First, the first half of my forties, you know, I went through a divorce and was learning who I was. And so I just did everything. Um, I was running marathons and half marathons. I was coaching my son's marathon team. I was doing long bike rides, hundred miles, 65 miles, 45 miles. A typical ride was somewhere between 35 and 45. Um, I was performing with, with an aerial acrobatic team and doing acro yoga 
and just you name it, I was out there and doing it all. Plus I was getting my master's degree. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. And plus you got younger kids. So you got kids at home, even though they're not as dependent, but still you got things going on with them. I'm sure. So it was great. It was like such a vivacious, busy, intense time of my life, but also I was doing all the things and not listening to my body. And I ended up fracturing my back and oh, not wow. taking care of it. I fell doing one of my aerial aerials when you hang from the ceiling on like a hoop or a silk or something like that. And I fell and fractured my back and herniated discs and didn't take care of it. So it's that good classic superwoman. I can do it all. And I'm going to do all of the things. And when my body is screaming at me, I'm not going to listen. I can push through. I can make it through. And so that's what I did. And I pushed through and I made it through. And on that fractured back, I ran a marathon oh and gosh. I performed aerial and I did some bike rides and I, you know, ended up graduating with my master's degree. Like it was in freaking sane what I did. Did you know that your back was fractured or was it I just pushing was, through the pain? I knew I was injured and I was pushing through the pain. I didn't know how bad. And the universe uh, is saying, Tiffany, Tiffany, yeah. <laughs> yes. you're, you're going in the wrong path. Yes. I'm trying to tell you, you exactly. you're ignoring me. <laughs> yes. And that's exactly what happens. I'm about 45, 46 at this point. Um, and probably about four or five weeks after my final, that marathon that I ran, I couldn't walk. I got to the point where I couldn't touch my knees walking was excruciating. Um, I, there was even some times when I had to have help going from my bed to the bathroom. It was brutal. And so that was when my body said, you are going to listen whether you like it or not. And I didn't like it. I was not happy about that because I like being active. And, um, I had to learn new ways to move my body and love my body and appreciate my body because it's, it's changed since then. You know, like I said, I was in the very best shape of my life, but I was almost mentally unhealthy in the sense mm -hmm. that, um, I was really talk about burning your candles at both ends. Like I was getting up at four 30 in the morning to get myself ready and get the kids ready and get them off to school and commute to work and be to work by 7.30 in the morning and then come home and pick the kids up and do all of the mommy stuff and then put them to bed and then do my grad school stuff from nine to 12 and rinse and repeat and then with all of my activities in between. So I was in this phase of I can do it all and I'm going to do it all because I I hadn't been able to do that in my life before, you know, super quick backstory. I was raised in a cult. And so I, I had to live my life until I was 19 years old by somebody else's rules, be the quiet girl, be the nice girl. Uh, I wasn't even allowed to pray out loud, right? Like I really wasn't allowed to exist as a, a person outside of that. And were you isolated in a community? So you weren't really exposed to other people? Well, ish, ish, we were allowed to go to school and, mm. but we had to keep ourselves very separated. Right. Mm. Um, fast forward, I left that, but got into a toxic marriage. 
because of the way I was raised. I was raised to be the quiet, subservient, you know, everybody else matters more than I do. And that that sets you up to be in a toxic marriage. And I am quite positive that many of your listeners understand what it's like when you live your life always taking care of others and your needs are not important, right? To the point where you don't know, what do I like? What do I care about? I remember when I was getting divorced and my therapist said, well, what are your boundaries? And I'm like, what What do you mean boundaries? Like, I don't, like, what is this word? What is this? Called? I did not understand the concept of boundaries. And she was asking me, well, do you like this? I'm like, sure. Well, would you want to do that? Yeah, why not? Would you do this? Sure. And she was kind of testing me like boundary pushing, testing questions. And she said, you don't have boundaries. I said, well, I I don't want to upset people. I'll I'll, I'll do it. That's fine. It's fine. You know, she's giving me questions like changes at the last minute or last guests coming over unannounced or having to do an activity that made me uncomfortable or something. And I'm like, yeah, whatever, you know. And, and so she's like, you have no boundaries. So that was my forties was learning boundaries, right? Wow. Um, Yeah. I would imagine if you're being shushed for your entire, like first half of your life, like till you're 19, that you're going to attract a partner who is controlling. Yeah. And I don't think, I I think it was extreme for me being raised in the cult, but I am quite sure that your listeners that were raised. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We're still shushed in lots of places in our yes. life. Probably told you're too loud. You're too needy. You're too um, busy. You're too, either you're too much or you're not enough. Like as women, we're always told we need to smile more. We need to close our mouth more. We need to, you know, whatever it is, right? We're, we're all told you're too gaudy. You're too drab. You're too fat. You're too thin. You're too tall. You're too short. Like women, like According to the world, we're we're never quite enough. And that can be a really hard way to go through life. And if you get into a relationship that exacerbates that, then you really lose yourself. And, you know, we were talking before we hit record about how so many women define ourselves by our children and our relationships. And when those go away, it's like, well, who am I? Who am I and what do I like? So at the beginning of my 40s were, who am I and what do I like? And I was going at it with a fervor and a zeal that was on the unhealthy side, right? Like I was just figuring all the stuff out. And then I would say my later part of my 40s are, okay, let's be kind to yourself. Let's truly understand what's important to you. What are you actually going to spend your time on? What are you actually going to use your voice to amplify and your platform to amplify? Um, How are you going to love your body in its fluffy state? How are you still going to take care of it and be healthy and active while also being kind? How are you going to be kind to the people around you while also really being extra kind to yourself? And so that's been my later 40s. So while my body is not necessarily, you know, in its best shape ever, it I am healthy, right? Like I'm exercising regularly, I'm eating regu- healthy. It's just doesn't look how it did when I was in my insane phase, right? <laughs> yeah. And, and it sounds like you're okay with that. You know, I mean, yeah. we are so uh, brainwashed, like what body dysmorphia, is that the, the right term? That like we 
can never accept ourselves. And that is a whole vicious cycle that, uh, yeah, yeah. And if you feel good in your body, then that's all that matters, right? Yeah. And I'm not saying that I wake up in the morning, I'm like, oh my God, I love my body. Everything's great. And is it wonderful? And I go through my day like that. I think that majority of us have a lifetime of unlearning to do with unhealthy body image. And that's my podcast that I started is all about that. It's we, most of us have been raised on this horribly unhealthy diet culture cycle of, okay, let me diet. Oh, I'm going to dieting is, is painful. And so let me riot against the diet and, and binge and whatever. And then, oh my God, let me go sweat this off. Cause I just ate way too many calories. And then we repeat that cycle and it's so unhealthy for our bodies. It's unhealthy for our brains. Yeah. And it's a cycle that's really hard to get out of. And it's hard yeah. to look in the mirror at whatever shape your body is right now and say, okay, this body gave me two beautiful, healthy children. This body, uh, you know, moved me across the country. This body got me to 49 years old and has survived X, Y, and Z. And, and instead of, you know, looking with love at the body, a lot of times we're like, oh, the, my belly is so big. And oh, look at the cottage cheese on my thighs. And oh my goodness, these jeans won't button anymore. And, <laughs> you know, um, and, it, and it's learning to let go of those negative voices and, and love. Yeah. Yeah. My daughter's really good about that because, you know, I come from, uh, my mother was anorexic and so it was uh, not a good environment, um, in terms of eating habits and, uh, you know, she, she had some, you know, addicted to laxatives and, and then she over, how she did it was she overfed her kids. I don't even think she realized she did that. So my sister was overweight. I was overweight for a little while. And then I lost 30 pounds but I became obsessed with staying and in in, in not gaining weight after that. And so I, of course, I had two kids and I didn't raise them in the best way, having come from that and being very conscious about how their appearance and not, you know, don't, don't want them to get overweight. Like I was overweight. And um, anyways, uh, my daughter, so I have a 12 year old granddaughter and, and you don't, it, I think maybe two, my generation uh and we our tendency is to say things that are about your outer beauty mm-hmm. it's just like kind of automatic oh you look you know you look skinny in that or you know you don't mean that but what it sends a message that oh my gosh you know skinny is good and then and then our, our she gets an eating disorder because oh, I got to be skinny. And so I, I'm glad my daughter is number one, breaking the cycle. And number two, that uh, she corrects me like she like, you know, mom, mom, you know, she's like, you know, and so I, I am much better and and recognize, but it's so automatic in the conversation to me and, and, uh, I think it's the generation too. So, yeah, I don't know what you think about that. It's, it is, you know, we are massively socialized. I mean, I can get on my soapbox about this and talk for hours. Uh, we're massively socialized from this patriarchal society that we live in. All of the messages that we get in media, the TV ads, magazines, about what is valued and what is not valued. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. And all of these messages about how your body type is related to your character and your personality. So, you know, the the typical patriarchal view is, you know, a, a fit body shows somebody who has discipline in their life and yeah. control of their life and uh, self-respect and a larger body is somebody who has no control, no self-respect, you know, and continue on down the line. And because of that, so many people that have the larger, fluffier, cuddlier bodies um, tend to be treated with a lot of disrespect, right? Yeah. Yeah. Whether they're ignored or they're outwardly people say awful things to them. Or even just your clothing choices aren't as nice, right? Mm, yeah. Uh, like somehow somebody with a bigger body doesn't care about looking good, right? That's that that is so not true. And so it's I I think there is starting to be a shift. You know, the there's starting yeah. to be a shift of being able to see beauty in all body types and and being able to recognize there's so many different ways to be healthy. Mm. Um, yeah. You know, and there is a difference between unhealthy and healthy. And you know what? You can't be massively unhealthy and thin. Like oh, was, yes. Oh, yes. yes. I know I spent much of my life with disordered eating and um, starving myself and all of that kind of stuff. My mother was very, very heavy and had a lot of mental health issues. And I know that I was terrified of that. And I spent a good amount of my life starving myself. Mm. right? And, um, you know, we just, that's not healthy. So I was thin, but I was very, very unhealthy. Yeah. Yeah. And so now I'm fluffier, but I'm working out every day. I'm eating healthy foods. I'm taking time to enjoy a glass of wine with my love. Like I'm, you know, that's, that's, there's balance, there's health, and it doesn't always come with a size four jean size. Yeah. Know? Yeah. And restricting yourself because that's not mentally good. Yeah. So I'm curious about a couple things. So you, you talked about how you had a, your back broken and that you eventually got to the point where you really couldn't walk. And so, you know, I, I referred to the universe, you know, that's the kind of the universe doing that to you. And, uh, we had talked before we started recording about, uh, you know, you. a lot of times, and this happened to me and happens a lot to, to a lot of the people I work with, is that they, they've they lost themselves and, and they're not going down the, the most authentic path and they're not operating authentically, right? They're trying to be something for somebody else. And so I'm curious that when you, had to stop everything because you said you couldn't walk. Did that force you to really sit with your thoughts? Yeah. Yeah. It did. It It sat me, it forced me. I think a lot of my busyness was running away from certain things. So yes, that is when I really had to dig in and start doing some deep work and really focusing on myself and learning a lot more about myself um, and starting to take care of myself. You know, it was weekly physical therapy appointments and getting to the doctor more often and baths and hot tub and ice packs and stretching and 
you know, slowing down and listening. And now I don't push myself, you know, and to top it all off, I have fibromyalgia mm. and I, the pushing myself physically exacerbates a lot of it. Right. Yeah. I just had a good friend of mine, Nick Demos, and he's a documentary filmmaker. So I had him on talking about invisible. I'll link up to that. Cause that was anybody who has fibromyalgia should listen to that. And that was pretty incredible. And he found out that he had it doing the documentary and he didn't even know it's crazy. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm curious because I don't think we told the listeners that you were a teacher for 20 years or you were in education. You started as a teacher and then you became, uh, you went into the administrative kind of teaching teachers. Um, yeah. What happened during that time? Because you're doing something totally different now. Mm-hmm. And it's something that I love what you do because it shows people. And by the way, she monetizes her podcast. A lot of people, like I, I, my podcast is not monetized. I probably should do something to monetize it. But what you're doing is it's more common now, but it's non-traditional from Mm -hmm. what you did before. So did, did the idea for this come up as you were transitioning in this part of your life of, okay, I wasn't listening. Now I'm listening. What's coming up that didn't come up before? Because when you're busy, that stuff's not going to come up, right? So, okay. I was a classroom teacher for 16 years, specialized in gifted and talented education. I taught fourth, fifth, and sixth graders and loved it, loved every minute. But I've always known for most of my life that I had this pull and this desire to make change on a big level, right? To be a change maker and make a difference in the world. And in a classroom, you're doing it child by child, which is beautiful and wonderful and amazing. But I I felt called to do more. And so I went and got my master's degree and started moving towards administration because I thought, oh, well, you know, I can make bigger changes on the organizational level. You know, if I get up into administration in a school district, I can start really changing things. Yeah. And I like that too, because you like in a classroom, because I come from education, my sister is a teacher, my parents were a teacher, 30 students is all you can impact a year. Mm-hmm. So if you start helping teachers, mm-hmm. then you're like that, that's scaling to help more students. Right. Yeah. So I, that's, I never thought about that, but that is more impact. Yeah. So I, I moved up, I moved up into the district office I became a professional development expert, helping teachers and all of that. But that that shift happened at the same time as my back injury. And it was a perfect storm for me having this desire to grow and make lasting change and working within an organization that required me to be much smaller than I was, mm. than I wanted to be. Wow. And I'm inner work and I'm listening and I'm, I'm knowing I'm hearing the call and I'm hearing the call and realizing I can't do it where I'm at. Right. And so I, I started interviewing for higher position jobs that would have more impact and I wasn't getting them. And I'm like, I've never had a problem getting a job in my life. I've always gotten the jobs I go for. Why am I not getting this job? You know, and I sat down with my boss and had a talk with her and 
you know, this was a couple of interviews, a couple of different jobs. And I sat down with her and I said, can you just please help me understand? Um, I, I, I just feel like I'm beating my head against a wall. Why am I not getting these jobs that I'm applying for? I know I'm qualified. I know I can do this. And her words to me, Lori, her words are forever seared in my brain. She said, she looked at me straight in the eyes. Tiffany, you're just too passionate. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's exactly Knife what she said. in the heart. I know. And I was like, wait, come again. Yeah, you're too passionate. You're too oh much. Oh my gosh, how sad that she is. Five people have a hard time. Like not everybody's going to be where you're at. And it can be intimidating to people. And I, I was devastated at first. You know, if she had said, Tiffany, you need this qualification, you need this training, you need this mentoring, I'd probably still be there, right? But what she told me was who you are is not who we need. We need a dimmed down version of you. Yes. And who wants a dimmed down version of anyone? Exactly. But they do, right? This, you know, they're a large organization. There's a lot of somebody who's going to be shaking things up, not necessarily who they want. Right. And, and you were a dimmed down version for 19 years, your first, and maybe even more from, you know, your bad relationship, uh, in your first marriage. Yeah. So at this point, like, I think I'm 46, 47 at this point. And I went home and had a glass of whiskey. I'm not going to lie. And sat and felt, sat with it and thought she is asking me to change. And Heck no. Like, I am tired of that. I'm tired of hiding my light under a basket. I'm tired of being the good girl. I'm tired of being the quiet girl. I'm tired of doing what everybody else wants. I'm tired of walking on eggshells. I'm tired of, I'm exhausted by trying to do all the things right. I just want to be and do and be passionate. I am a passionate person. Yeah. Multi-passionate. I have so many things I'm interested in and passionate in. And you know what comes up for me is somebody who says that it makes me sad for them because they're not pat they don't understand passion if they're going to say that. And yeah. it's like it's like uh, you know I can't be passionate so I don't want you to be passionate in a way mm-hmm. that's I think what's going on with that person. So it's, I'm so glad you didn't listen to her. So how long till you like said forget it? I'm I'm going to go find my passion elsewhere. And I'm not maligning her character. She was a very beautiful person and a good person and and a, a helpful, wise person. But she is, you know, lifetime in yeah. public education. Yeah. That is her career. She was like a year away from retirement. And this is what her whole life had been. And and that I, that's what keeps people from, you know, there's like secure, they, they choose security over passion. And, and most people who are passionless are great people. Absolutely. <laughs> so it's just, their yeah. world takes all kinds of people, yeah. right? Organizations cannot work without people that won't follow the rules and do what they're supposed to do. And there are people that are perfectly happy doing that and the world needs them. That's fine. Like we need, like not everybody can be rioters and change makers and that might lead to chaos. We need the organized, ordered people that are like, no, this is how you do things, right? But then we also need the passionate people that say, let's shake it up. And what would it look like if we did it 
differently. And so I no maligning, no, no talking bad. If you're listening and you're one of those people, it's like, I like just doing my job and going home and not worrying about it. And that's fine. We need those people. But if you're one of those people that has that drive and that passion, listen to it. Mm-hmm. Go, you know, like lean into that drive and that passion and be curious about it. Why do I have it? What is it telling me? And that's what I did. I leaned into it and said, okay, all right, what this, this is important to me. I, why, why is my reaction to her words so visceral? Why am I feeling this way? And what am I going to do about it? Am I going to spend another 15 years? You know, am I going to retire and, and, dim my light and play by their rules and probably move up in administration eventually and and be a a smaller version of myself and following like what I had thought was my dream I really thought this was my dream you know I I love education I'm passionate about it I'm passionate about the students I worked with and the teachers I worked with so it wasn't like I hated what I was doing but do I stay there and dim myself down and die a little bit to do that because I'm already invested in it? Or do I kind of burn the house down and start something new? And yeah, I love that. That's really what I did. I, as a single mom out of divorce, did you had a master's, you got a master's for that job. So you're probably also thinking, oh, what? Boatload of student loan debt, boatload of student loan debt. Um, You know, and I, my divorce was one of those where I just walked away. I was like, I'm done, done. Lived in a one bedroom, 600 square foot apartment with my two children. So this is not somebody who had hundreds of thousand dollars of savings and was like, well, let me quit this job. And I've got a nice thing to fall back on, right? Um, I, I, I quit my job and just went, I am going to find my way. I'm going to figure this out and, um, built the airplane <laughs> while I'm a I brave off. soul. I love it. I love it. Well, yeah, that's, that's my story. So now I started my own media production company, specialized in podcasting and course creation. And so how do you, how do you tell someone who, uh, doesn't feel like they know enough to do that. Did you know anything about podcasts when you decided to do that? Just had an interest in it? Yeah. I knew nothing about podcasting. Are you kidding me? Podcasters are these wonderful mythical creatures that I listen to in my ears, you know, like, no, I didn't know anything, but I'm good at researching. I'm good at learning. I'm a great learner. So you think this is, this is what people can do. What are your skills? Are you a good learner? Are you a good researcher? then dive into it, dig, research. Are you a good talker? <laughs> Are you a good talker? Do you have people around you? So I was fortunate. My partner, my boyfriend um, loves he, audio and video. And honestly, I didn't know this really about him. I knew that he edited video game audio, but I didn't quite know what that meant, right? You didn't so, know that was transferable skill to right. other video auditing or editing. You know, I want to start this podcast. He's like, oh, that's cool. So I got to see a new side of him because he had, he and his brother had collected over the years about 50 different kinds of microphones. 
right? So then he's like, he just starts bringing microphones over. So the microphone I'm using right now is this vintage microphone. It's not even made anymore. And, you know, it's it probably belongs in a museum. And I get to talk on it because they've been collecting microphones for their whole life. I didn't know that. They also collect cameras and all of this kind of stuff. So we ended up like the more I dug into this and was like, I really want to do this. Then he's all, oh, and I've got all this stuff. And then we learned how they could go together and our skills just really um, combine and complement each other to where we're like, let's start a business. Let's do this thing. Neither of us knew anything about starting a business, you know, creating a website, setting up an email list, like none of it, absolutely everything about yeah, all it takes is desire. That's it. And we have supercomputers for brains and we, we just like so many people, uh, are just, oh, I'm not, I, I don't have technology skills or, you know, they're, they're just, they're just fear it. Um, so you can Google anything and watch a YouTube video. <laughs> it's, yeah. Uh, like you of course I, my kids will sometimes say, I won't know how to do a feature. And they're like, mom, you know, you don't know how to do that. And I was like, well, I feel kind of figuring it out on my own. So yeah. Courses. Like I didn't do it on my own. I, I had a partner who was really good with certain aspects of technology. And so I leaned on him and I had skills that he wasn't good at. So he leaned on me yeah. and the two of us, we reach out to other people who are good at stuff and Hey, can you help with that? Can you? Yeah, that's can great. Yeah. Sometimes it's paying for somebody to be a coach. And sometimes it's just um, being a part of a community and leaning on those community members and building each other up. Sometimes it's trading services and, hey, I, I can do this for you. And can you teach me how to do that? So there's so many creative ways of learning the things you don't know. Yep. Let's yeah. start with what you do know and then yeah. take the next small step. So what I did know is I like researching and while I was going through this process, I liked listening to podcasts and I like talking. I like being in public, pre presenting, training teachers. I loved because I got to stand up and talk in public and teach them, right? And I'm like, okay, I really enjoyed that. And I, I, I know teaching will always be an aspect of what I do because I'm born to be a teacher. I love researching and learning so I can lean into these skills and figure the next thing. And podcasting made sense because gosh, I've never really been able to say what I wanted to say before. So this make this, this is fun. I can just get on a mic and say what I want to say. And this is a blast and connect with people. Yeah. I'm so interested in stories and, and you know, where people come from and how they got to where they are and their whole experience as moms and, and uh, people. So, yeah. Um, so I had one more question before we wrap up. I know you've got to go. Uh, so did you, cause you were married for 20 years and I was married for 25 years. How long did you talk yourself into staying? <laughs> and what was it, if you can do it in seven minutes or less, <laughs> what was it that was the straw that broke the camel's back that you finally said, okay, I'm going to, I'm done. I'm going to find my own way. Oh goodness. Okay. So be able to say, say this quickly is going to be really tough, but <laughs> it, it was years and years and years and years and years, you know, I was raised to believe that marriage is forever. And I was raised to love is 
painful and difficult. And uh, so I just thought what I was experiencing in my marriage was normal. I really did. Um, but it wasn't. It was toxic. It was painful. It was awful. And um, the the straw that broke the camel's back, th there were a couple of things. But the big thing was my best friend died of breast cancer at 39 years old. And it was brutal. It was a brutal, awful, horrible, painful, body disfiguring death, something I've never experienced in my life. I, I never realized cancer could do that to a human body. I mean, just horrific. She had an Iron Man tumor. I called it her Iron Man tumor because it looked like the Iron Man circle, the size of the palm of your hand in the middle of her chest that was just festering and oozing. And then 25 quarter size festering, oozing tumors all around her torso. And then I stopped counting at 50 of pea-size tumors mm. dotting her body and just what cancer did to her body and what it did to this beautiful, beautiful human being um, was devastating. And the way my husband dealt with it was not supportive at all. Um, I remember in one conversation, I said, you're just evil. Um, well, that was the straw. There were several other things that happened. And that was when I said, what am I doing with my life? Like my best friend just died and life is precious and short. And what am I doing? It still took a couple years to finally extricate myself. And it was a couple years of things getting worse and worse and worse. Um, I'm not going to go into a ton of detail here, but um, I, I, I escaped. I left. Yeah, um, I think it's a. I think it's a, a process. Like you know, you it's, it's a, a lot of things, and uh, there just becomes a breaking point where it's like, you know, I'm done. But I, I don't. It's nothing that happens overnight. Obviously, it does not. And, it does not yeah. and I, have, I was in a group therapy session for, uh, at an abused woman shelter, and I went to that weekly for twelve weeks um, therapy and all kinds of things. And, and that's what finally allowed me to leave and get out of it. And, um, I'm so grateful I did, you know, he's healthier. He's a better dad now. And the kids have a better relationship with him than they did while we were married and I'm healthier. And so it ended up being the very best thing for all of us. Um, but it was, I'm not going to lie. That was mm, anybody yeah. listening knows that has gone through a divorce it's it's ugly it's painful um so I'm trying to remember your exact question. well I just I think uh, well the reason why I wanted to touch on that is because I think a lot of people are unhappy and they and they've tried and they're still staying yeah. and so as much as I can share examples of people who have made the break and it's all turned out for the best because we just catastrophize everything. It's going to be the worst. Look, uh, I'm from and, the South. Yeah. There's yeah. a couple of sayings we have pee or get off the pot or fish. <laughs> or get, right. Like, what are you going to do? If you're going to stay, know that nothing's going to change for the better. It'll probably change for the worse and figure out how to stay. If you're going to stay, but if you're not willing to put up with that for another minute, then leave, you know, and get help and get support in leaving. So fish or cut bait, pee or get off the pot, like figure out what you're going to do. This whole middle section of, uh, I don't know. And blah, blah, blah. that's a miserable place to live yeah. and you never feel totally there. And, you know, there are some marriages that are unhappy 
because people need to recommit to each other and they need to go through the process. And so in that it is P, right? It is fish, right? It is, we're going to commit to this. We're going to go through therapy. We're going to find ourselves again. We're going to start dating each other again. We're going to be interested in each other's hobbies and bodies again. And we're going to really commit to this. And so there are some marriages where you, the, the fish is is what you're going to do. And then there are those marriages where cut bait is the right thing to do, where it's, this will not get better. This is harmful. This is toxic. We are not good for each other. We're better apart and leave. And it doesn't matter if you have 20 years invested, 30 years invested, 50 years invested, you don't have to invest another two or three years, right? Like yeah. just because you've invested this much doesn't mean you have to keep investing, right? Yeah. Don't. Yes. Yeah. yeah. The only thing that I will leave with, because I loved your, that quote and that comment so much is whatever you do, don't let the person you're with dull your light. Right. Right. Yes. Right. Shine bright, shine bright and do what's best for you inside. The right path is often the hardest path. And sometimes it is hard to stay and repair. And sometimes it's hard to leave and start over. They're not, neither of those are easy paths. And you just have to pick which path is right for you and your relationship. What is worth it to you? But the staying in the middle and just being miserable. Yeah. Oh, Don't do that anymore. Yeah. <laughs> That's beautiful. What a great way to end. Thank you so much for being here. It was so nice meeting you. It was fun. This was a lot of fun. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for tuning into the Living Your Spark second half podcast. If you'd like to watch my guest interviews, you can find the video version of this podcast on my Not Your Average Grandma YouTube channel. Also, you can check out what I have going on at the moment by going to my website at notyouraveragegrandma.com or find me on Instagram or Facebook at notyouraveragegrandma. If you like this episode, please mention it to a friend and don't forget to leave a review so I know the topics you like best and can bring you more of that content in upcoming episodes. Last but not least, remember to always listen to that inner voice that will never steer you wrong and make living from the most sparked place possible your biggest priority. When we do that, we make the world a better place.